So after a year or so in college in upstate New York, I started using what's good as a greeting instead of what's up. It just sounded better. Like a flirt, a threat, and a neon bodega sign all wrapped in one package. But even with the alteration of the question, the anticipated response just didn't change. I mean, I didn't actually want to know what was good or bad in that person's life. At least I didn't want the question to be answered literally. I anticipated some variant of ain't shit, followed by what's good with you, and then followed by same old, same old. And these lies, and and that's what they are, they're, they're lies, right, are social lubricants, the mist that pollinates the etiquette of kindness. But if there's been any sort of like silver lining of the pandemic, we've exposed the fault lines of this social norm. I mean, because not only is no one fine, but it feels insulting to say that without a qualifier. But if we all know that this is bullshit, like if we all know, we all know we're all full of shit. Why continue? What is it that still urges us to lie when we know everyone else is lying too? If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Stuck with Damon Young. The show where everyone needs therapy. Except me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> that, that, that shit's on y'all niggas. And on today's episode, like, I explore why we lie so much about how we're doing and why our, our social fabric is so infused with this fabrication. Like, basically, why everyone everywhere needs therapy. Including maybe me. We'll see. I mean, it's not my place to dislike motherfuckers for working out because I used to work out all the time. But you can tell motherfucker who got, you know, the in the gym workout body Mm -hmm. versus a nigga whose forearms are just like like bursting like the the the, the <laughs> yo people gonna be listening to this like, what? <laughs> I don't give a fuck we need to talk more about four hours so. so that's forearm connoisseur Kiese Lehman Kiese is the best selling author of Heavy an American memoir which real talk is one of the best books I've ever read it's, it's a black southern book about family and addiction and all the lies we tell ourselves to live. And I hit him up because he's trying to chart a path to Sandy through his work, through his writing. And so am I. Damon, let me ask you this though, really. When, when you, when you ask people how you doing, 
do you do you want them to say I'm fine? That's what I think about when you say that. I'm like, yes, Damon's right. And do I want to bear the weight of other people's actual lived experience of that day? Sometimes yes, but sometimes I'm like, please say you're fine because I ain't got the bandwidth to hold you. Well, it it depends. I, I guess it depends on who I'm asking. Because um, if it's just some some acquaintance, you know, somebody I'm seeing, you know, in line somewhere or some neighbor, then no, I, I don't want you to tell me about your day. I, I, I don't, I don't care <laughs> to be honest with you. But if it's, if, it, if it's one of my homies, one of my niggas, then yeah, I, if I'm asking how you doing, then I, you know, I want to, I want an answer. I want an honest answer because it'll come out. Like if you're having a conversation and, and someone says, yo, I'm fine. And then you talk for about 10, 15 more minutes and you're like, Oh shit, no, you're, you're not fine. So you saying you just be lying. <laughs> I mean, my thing is, I actually want to know usually how everybody really is. But then at the end of the day, man, when when people have talked to me a lot about how they really are, I noticed that that shit is just heavy on me. You know what I'm saying? Um, but but no, I I do lie when people ask me how I am. I'm always like, shit, I'm good. Or you know, the version we do is like trying to make it, which is as close to the truth as possible. You know, maintaining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. But shit, nobody ever be like, how you doing? Like, nigga, I broke, but nigga, like, my motherfucking heart broke, nigga. I ain't got no motherfucking money, nigga. My skin ashy than a motherfucker, but I don't know. I'm trying to maintain, but in spite of that, maybe that's parenthetical when people be saying, I'm like, maybe we should, I guess that's what you're saying. We should assume there's a line in parentheses before that, right? Yeah, I, I think we should just, especially now, especially now, dealing with all the shit, you know, happening in the country, I think we should just assume. That, you know, people, that people ain't telling the truth. So I'm just going to tell you I'm fine. And we're just going to move forward. I don't want you to pry. So sometimes I'm fine. It's like how we not just protect ourselves, but I'm saying, you're saying sometimes I'm fine is is how we keep ourselves healthy. Sometimes. I think so. I I think I'm fine is a way to compartmentalize sometimes. But again, how healthy is that, though? How healthy healthy is is it for us? Particularly, you know, used to just, oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm good, and you're, you're not fine, you're not good, and so much of that is just like a reflex. Actually, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit right now and ask you: Are you in therapy? No, I'm sure I have to be in therapy. I was in therapy for uh, a few days, but I'm not in therapy right now. Why not? Oh my nigga, you didn't tell me you was gonna be doing this. <laughs> um, you did not. Um, I mean, ultimately, fam, because I'm afraid of paying someone to do what I consider love. That's really it. I'm afraid of someone to look at, paying someone to look at me and tell me what's wrong. And I feel like that's love, and I, I don't like to pay people to love me and. I'm scared. I'm scared. But I, I mean, but I've been trying, like I've, I've tried three or four different ones. And, and the reason I haven't stayed, I want to say is because of the fit, but ultimately it's because I'm scared. I mean, I'm, I'm asking you that question because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place where well, I've, I I've been, definitely in therapy. Well, I've, I've been in therapy. Then I forget to go. Then I don't, that I don't make an appointment that I miss. And then missing one appointment ends up missing a month, missing two months, missing the whole season. And that's me. 
But then, and this is this is actually funny. When I was first, like seriously, you know, researching and 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 thinking about getting a therapist, I realized I had some really awkward, really surprising racial and gender considerations with this. Like I, I felt more, and I don't know why this was. I felt more comfortable talking to a woman and the woman had to be older. And if I had to choose between black or white, because those are only races in my head, um, she would be white. Okay, brother, let's, let's, let's go a little deeper with that now. Oh, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just trying to do the <laughs> no, For real, let's, let's, get, let's get there. Let's, like, oh, what in life would have led you to believe that you, a, a white older woman therapist would have been most, I mean, what's the word? You know, I, I think I've been thinking about this. And, and again, this is a thing that I didn't realize about myself until it was time to, to, to go there. And I felt like I could be more anonymous with a white person. Oh, Like I could just, get there and say this and say that and say whatever Mm -hmm. and not be judged Mm -hmm. the same way I would if it was a brother or a sister. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? Like I could be more open. I could be more free. I could be more transparent. I could talk about certain things that like, if I were to talk about them, particularly with like a brother, sister, that's like my age. Right. Um, I would feel like, okay, yeah, they're my therapist, and yeah, they're doing a job, but they're also there's some there's something in there that is, I feel that. that is judging me that. a bit, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in someone's conversation, you know, like guess 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 who I was talking to today, like it's like talking to talking with someone's wife, you know, a, a dinner time or like a bedtime conversation, and it's like, and I, and I know that that's like a I don't know that's an absurd like fear, but that's that was real. That was a real fear. Are you also saying, I just want to make sure I understand, are you also saying that you thought you could gain a older white woman therapist, like, more than a, a black woman or black man or, or, or like, dis, dissuade that person from seeing a part to you you didn't want to be seen? Is that part of it or not? No, nah, it, it wasn't about the game. It it was more about just my own willingness to, to like, expose my insides. I got you. And... Okay. And I just, and I don't, and again, I know that's, 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 that's crazy. Like even saying it out loud, I kind of wish that I could kind of, I, I could delete this and it wouldn't be heard no, on man, this, on this podcast. <laughs> that's how we work real. though. That's how we work. You, you know, like, because when you say that, I'm saying, I, I, I'm thinking about what that means. And, and I understand more three minutes into what you said than when you first said it. Because my fear when I first was trying to get therapy was like, I I was afraid of paying white people to enter my brain. You know what I'm saying? Because they already, they already think they own this shit. And my first experience was with a white woman who I just didn't want her in my brain because she was mediocre. Like I, I was like, damn, like I could be a motherfucking therapist. You giving a nigga a motherfucking coloring book, nigga? Are you kidding me? You know? Um. So like I, I just wasn't really. I just, I feel you though on that. Like I hadn't even thought about. I like I, I've not even entertained the notion of a. I mean, real talk. I've never even entertained a notion of a white therapist generally. 
I've never, I've never thought about a white man therapist. I'm like, are there white men therapists? This is the first time we thought about that as a possibility. But I never thought like a white woman might be actually better. And that's a, and, 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 you know, we're talking about the race thing, but the gender thing is a thing too. Cause I, I feel like I felt more comfortable having that conversation with, with a woman. I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. Like, I've never even imagined a, a dude, bro. Like talking to a, a dude, I've never even thought that was a possibility, fam. I mean, why do you think that is? <sighs> I mean, again, you're asking me to do like layers of this shit real quick. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's got to be some, some deeply, some part of me deeply distrust a big part of me that is masculine. And I just, don't want to hear no motherfucking man try to tell me some shit because I don't try. I don't. Be, I'm not gonna believe him. Yo, you got me saying all kind of crazy shit on this uh, podcast, man. <laughs> but I don't want to fucking. I don't want to do therapists because I don't trust motherfucking men. And and like that's it. I don't want a nigga because I don't trust niggas. You know what I'm saying? I trust niggas way more. I trust white men, but generally I don't trust men. So I'm a, I'm good. Like stay out of my head. You know what? You know, that, that I feel like that's a part of it for me. I also feel like a part of it too is like, I'm in therapy so that the relationships I have with particularly my wife, uh, my daughter, wife, daughter, whatever, friends could be better. Like even, even saying that out loud, it's like, I, I, I there are things that I, I need to unpack within myself. You know, in terms of anxiety and angst and, and all that and, and, and the why, you know, why I'm doing a thing, why I'm thinking a thing instead of the what's. But then there's also like, you know, there are relationships that I want to improve. There are relationships that, that I feel like I need, I need help, you know, talking to somebody to improve. And I just don't feel like another, another nigga could tell me <laughs> how to be better, how to be a better husband. Like I just, man, you, you know what I mean. I, I mean we be, we getting canceled after this, man. <laughs> we getting canceled after. This. I don't want to hear no niggas tell me nothing <laughs> ever. But all the women, come tell me what you got. Let me hear what you. Got yeah, and, and 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 and, and that's the that that right there. You know, as you were, you know, as you know, we're both like alluding to. It's it's problematic as fuck because right. it's like it's it's assuming. That women are, I guess, more equipped for this sort of emotional labor, and and not just more equipped for it, but we're we're more willing to kind of unload this, yeah, this stuff. And, and when we pay for shit, like we one of the things we want when we pay for things is pleasure. It's really interesting that like we're both just like yeah, like we we well, I tell by myself, like I'm like I don't think it would feel good for me to be talking to a, a dude about me. And then, like, if I'm really pushing myself, I need to ask myself how much of that also might be rooted in, like, queer antagonism. I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying me. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's really interesting that I can love to talk to you, love to play ball. But when it comes to something as intimate as mental health, here I am saying, like, not only white man, but brothers, I don't want to fuck with y'all. You know, there's something about that I think is is off, but it's too too quickly for me to analyze it. So don't hold me to what I just said. No, no, no. But but I think you're 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 right there though. And I I even think that even deeper analysis, you know, will just give more. I guess 
I guess more context to what you're saying, but I don't think it's going to make what you're saying any different. Because I mean, and and even you know, you talk about you're talking about paying and pleasure. As we're having this conversation, I'm wondering, okay, what would be the difference between talking to some nigga therapist, some nigga therapist, some nigga therapist, <laughs> and what and what we're doing right now, right? But you know what's fucked up, David? I don't trust you if if you tell me you've gone to medical school such and such years. Like that's what's fucked up about me. Okay, it's like okay. like. Yes, nigga to nigga, like, that's, you know, we like, we love niggas, right? Like, we love black people, and we actually love black men, we love black women, we love black folk, you know, and critically and messily, blah, blah, blah. I don't trust, like, educational systems in this country, so when you show me a black person who's been educated in this system, like, yes, I'd rather be with them than be with anybody else, for sure. And there's a deep, deep, deep part of me that I don't, that I distrust that distrust those doctors because of their education. That's fucked up. That is beyond fucked up. But that's really how I feel, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't trust this educational system, my nigga. Like, I don't know how you go through educational systems and actually value black bodies. I think you have to, like, supplement that education with all the shit that I don't feel like a lot of people do. But this is a condemnation of my sensibility, not a condemnation of any black doctors or anything. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, this is, this is my shortcoming. You know, no, no, but I, I think that I, I see what you're saying, and I think that's that whole other layer that has to be unpacked with black people seeking therapy. Is it this? Is it just a a latent distrust of systems and of the people who are trying to offer us medical assistance, academic assistance, and whatever? And that distrust is is based in truth. I mean, you even talked about you going to a mediocre white therapist who gave you a fucking what coloring book she gave me a, and or, it was a or, basic or coloring book it wasn't even like you know what I mean? they got them <laughs> layered colored books for old niggas now like i i get my granny them dope coloring books this motherfucker had us coloring like bambi and shit and like two colors what like i knew i wasn't going back in the middle i was like nah we good but you know i'm getting a lot of help informally through reading and talking to people but i definitely need at some point a good black therapist who is versed in everything we're talking about. I know that. I'm just I'm I'm I'm, learning, I'm looking. It's just hard for me to find someone I feel comfortable with. Hey fam, what's good? Just chilling. I'm good. How are you? Just trying to be like you. Oh, you got it. Ain't nothing. I'm all right, man, you know. I'm fine. I'm hanging in there like wet clothes. I'm good like a post-nut nap, know what I mean? I'm just hanging like gas in your body when you got IBS, man. I'm just trying to be like you, broke, ashy, and depressed about my ex, know what I mean? I'm good, man. I'm just I'm just here working hard, like the right ear of a nigga that got shot in his left, you know what I mean? I'm here just living black like a gangrene foot. I'm just chilling like a dead body in the morgue, man. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. 
CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist recommended facial moisturizer brand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I wanted to unpack some of these anxieties that I have around therapy. And so I hit up Dr. Joy Harden Bradford to talk through some of it. She's a psychologist, an author, and the host of the podcast, Therapy for Black Girls. All right. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Damon. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, you know. Hanging we, in there. Hanging, hang, you know, hanging in there. We, you know. <laughs> You know, it, it's funny. This podcast has kind of been therapy for me, uh-huh. but I do recognize that I need a professional mm-hmm. instead of just my homies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all of those things are therapeutic for sure, uh-huh. right? But you know, I don't think that you know if if you know that you want to talk with a professional on an ongoing basis, you know, about what's going on, then um, I definitely encourage you to keep pursuing that if you can. I like how you phrase that. It's like, yeah, it's therapeutic, but it ain't therapy. Yeah. It's not therapy. <laughs> it's not yeah. therapy. It's therapeutic, <laughs> right? So, you know, and I think that I I, I speak for a lot of us. You know, um, growing up, I had an association with therapy. It's not just being like a, a white thing, but like an upper middle class white thing. Like I'm thinking like Frazier. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking a very distinct sort of like siloed, you know, off whiteness, you know. Mm-hmm. And obviously therapy is not that. It's for anyone and everyone who, who needs it. I still think there is a there is a connotation of status. And of class when, mm-hmm. when you talk about therapy. Um, and, and I'm wondering, like, how, how do you, how do we communicate that to people who maybe feel like therapy is something for people who are able to afford it or are able to afford the luxury of anxiety and of mm. neurosis and of, you know, angst and insecurity and all that? Um, mm. how, how do we communicate that? Yeah, that that feels like a tough question because I feel like it, there are lots of layers there, right? On one level, conversations like this help, right? You know, so anytime somebody shares, you know, what they're struggling with or we have conversations about this is how therapy can help you and this is how you know when you might need to see a therapist, here's how you find one, making the resources available. Like, I think all of that cuts down into it. But I think there is something very poignant about this idea 
of the luxury of being anxious, mm-hmm. right? You know, because if you're somebody who is working multiple jobs to try to keep the lights on and, you know, taking care of extended family and doing all of these things, that doesn't always like raise to the top of the ladder for mm-hmm. you, you know? And so I think a lot of times what happens is that people experience a complete breakdown or you see like a real hitting the wall, so to speak, um, before people really pay attention to like, wow, mental health is this thing that we need to take care of just like our physical health, you know, and so some of that is a systems issue, right? You know, poverty is a mental health issue. Homelessness is a mental health issue. Like all of these things contribute to mental health. And so there is really something to be said about how the systems, as particularly in, in the U.S., um, really don't contribute to wellness and mental health. Yeah. And, and, the, and the irony, the irony with all this is, is that, you know, so I, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up in a, on a street where there was all types of violence and, mm-hmm. you know, gangs and shootings and all that. And it's like, if, if anyone is going to be anxious, if anyone's going to have anxiety, yeah. if anyone's going to be neurotic, it's going to be someone who came from that environment, right? right? And someone who, you know, has to be very conscious of mannerisms and, 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 and sensibility and, and just, you know, just always, you know, be conscious and cognizant of your body. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and how your body presents and, you know, even something as as seemingly minor as the color of the shirt that you're wearing yes. and how all of that, you know, contributes to whether or not you survive the mm-hmm. next day. People who come from those backgrounds actually probably have the most mental health issues because of all the different stresses. Plus, you add the stress of being black in America onto that right. and you just have this um I don't know, like a Molotov cocktail that mm-hmm. that is just ready to, you know, ready to explode. And unless someone extinguishes that flame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that that is the really unfortunate piece. You know, I am heartened to see that there is more attention to um youth and adolescent mental mm-hmm. health because in a lot of these things, you know, we are not taught about as young people, right? Like so there's no real although I think that's changing, um there haven't been lots of conversations about like how to regulate our emotions and why it's okay that you feel really anxious because of where you grew up, right? Like people weren't having those kinds of conversations and I think we are now. And so, you know, I think we have to approach this from multiple areas. We have to try to stop all of these things that make our kids stressed to begin with, but also then give kids the tools to deal with life as it stands. So your work primarily focuses on black women. And so I'm, I'm presuming that with therapy, you know, you probably have more black women, more women. Um, we're women just generally, but specifically more black women, you know, we're talking, we're breaking down racially who are willing to see a therapist than black men. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, well, I think that for all of the reasons, you know, that I'm sure you're really aware of, um, you know, that boys and men aren't taught to even less so than girls um, to to be in touch with their emotions. Right. You know, so this idea of what masculinity looks like and that there's this performance of hardness and um, you have to take care of everybody else so you don't really pay attention to yourself. I think all of those factors really lead to boys and men really not, um, you know, really taking care of their emotions and having the language to talk about when they're struggling or that not being seen as a masculine thing to do. Yeah, that 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 part about not having the language, that is mm-hmm. crucial because I, you know, and you talk to 
if you talk to the brothers, you know, about their mental health, they will tell you without actually saying it, but they mm-hmm. will tell you, they will talk about stress. They will talk about anxiety. They will talk about fear and, and all these things that, that every human being, um, you know, experiences, mm-hmm. you know, just having the language to be able to say like, Hey, this is, this is what I'm feeling. Or maybe I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And so maybe I go see a professional that can, you know, help me along that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting. And I think that there are some really cool initiatives happening, like in barbershops. Right. You know, because when you think about, you know, the 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 culture that typically is set in like black men's barbershops in particular, mm-hmm. if you think about it, people are being very honest and vulnerable sometimes in those conversations. Right. And so I think being able to, you know, people are like training barbers with like mental health first aid or like asking more probing questions to be able to connect people to services. If it's inter- if you know if it's necessary. Um, but I, I do think that there's some really cool work coming out of those spaces. And I think you also can't blame people for what kind of vices or what kind of coping strategies they employed when that's all they had access to, right? You know, so violence and drugs and like all of those things, you know, sometimes come into play because people are trying to deal with some very, very big emotions. And that is the outlet. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a potential business opportunity right now. Like you could just have like, you know, psychologists who are also barbers. <laughs> that would be a very cool <laughs> Yeah, and, and also, you know, it could be like this Trojan horse where you get the brothers to, to, you know, to go in and like, you know, we're getting a cut. But while you're here for these 40 minutes, we, mm-hmm. we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and if not individual, definitely like some group stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like workshops and conversations really around how to take better care of yourself and how to name what you're feeling. So I I, I have to admit something. I have, mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to be honest with you. So earlier um, in this episode, I talked to Cassie Lehman, the author, and we were talking about mental health and therapy and we talked, you know, asked each other if we um, had actually seen a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you know, that last year I went to, you know, start the process of seeing a therapist. And I recognized something about myself that I did not realize until I was into, you know, the phone calls and our process or whatever, is that I, something deep <laughs> within me, and this is even hard, this is hard for me to admit to you. Mm-hmm. I prefer a white therapist. Now, I ended up going with a black woman, mm-hmm. but I prefer to, I, when I thought of, okay, who would I be the most comfortable with? A older white person was mm-hmm. the person who came to mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there, I, I, and I think there, there are a few reasons, you know, for that one, I think there's still something deep embedded high brain thing where I still have this association of like a Sigmund Freud or, or, or mm-hmm. whoever the fuck, <laughs> you know, right. that sort of figure, you mm-hmm. know, being like the therapist, right? Mm-hmm. There's also, I live in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is extremely insular. And I, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that a part of me had a, had a fear of, you know, what, if I approach a black therapist in this city, I, I might know them mm-hmm. <laughs> or I might have like a degree of separation from them. Right. Like my, like I, I dated their cousin or, 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 or something like that, went to their prom with their niece, I, I, something. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I wanted to avoid that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, have you ever encountered that 
from people where they felt where they admitted to feeling more comfortable with a white person to do this sort of work. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I come across a lot because people who are typically I'm encountering are wanting to find a black woman mm-hmm. therapist. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's something really interesting, like even in my own work with individual clients, sometimes it will come up that they have not been completely forthcoming with how much they're struggling because there is the perception that I have it quote unquote all together. And so what does it look like to like come apart in front of this sister mm-hmm. who, you know, like, so the, the whole strong black woman stereotype comes into play of like, I can't even be completely vulnerable in this space that is designed exactly for vulnerability. So that has come up really often, but also you're, you're very right in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm not from Pittsburgh, but in Atlanta, like there's the same kind of thing, right? Like, you know, if you are part of certain circles, people kind of know who you are. And so the, the difficulty of finding somebody who doesn't have any like tie to you, um, you know, a lot of therapists are, are very active on social media. So you may have some experience with them there. And that is an ethical concern, right? So if you had reached out to someone and found out like, Oh, I actually dated their cousin. You know, if the therapist <laughs> recognized that, then there was, should have been a conversation around, you know, actually, this is probably not going to be a, a good fit because there could be a conflict of interest. Right. And let me help you find someone else. And so sometimes it is really difficult to find like therapists who are like off the grid, who, you know, really don't even need to do social media because they have a full caseload and they only work by referral. Like that is a really a really um a very real concern. But I think to your point around like wanting an older white man, it, you know, I think that's what this country has kind of primed us to believe is authority, right? So if there is somebody that if I'm really in pain and I am wanting somebody to fix it, this world has taught us that older white men are the people that have those answers. Yeah, it's and and you know the you know the the, the keep it to go even further down this rabbit hole. Fuck shit! <laughs> it, wasn't just, <laughs> it wasn't just like a white man. It was white. Like I I was. I knew that, okay, I would be more comfortable talking to a woman also. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, having a, talking to a man with therapy, it's just something that, again, I don't know why. This is why I need to be in therapy. Yeah. And that, that's what I was just going to say. Like, what an, an amazing conversation to have with a therapist, right? Like, those are the kinds of conversations that I think make therapy very fruitful because where else could you have that conversation and have it in real time, right? So how cool would it be to have, you know, like, let's say you had picked an older white woman to be your therapist. Just hearing that, you know? just hearing that back to me just sounds so ridiculous. Let's no, say, but, let's, you know, let's but, say you, but the, you pick the, the, the author about as your therapist, you know. <laughs> No, the thing about it is that there are likely other places in your life where this same thing is coming up, right? So it it presented itself in the form of therapy, but are there other places in your life where you are deferring to whiteness as the authority, right? And so therapy is a place where in real time, we can talk about the relationship between us and how the what's happening between us is also happening in other places in your life. You know, I think just... A, a lot of it does have to do with the vulnerability where I mm-hmm. feel or it's like I feel like the white person would be a part of like a different society almost. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. I could just go there. I could just go into that place. I can go into that room, to that office and unload and then mm-hmm. return back mm-hmm. to and then return back to the world mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. way. So it's it's I, I, I'm not 
I'm not negating the possibility of like this, you know, this authority figure and me, you know, I guess, um, succumbing to the white gaze in, in a way mm-hmm. with that. But I also think that there is like a, there, there, there's a part of me that, that considers them almost like a siloed off part of mm. society or at least a part of, you know, the, the world that I live in. And so mm-hmm. I could go there, I could carry all this weight, I could leave my backpack there, mm-hmm. and then I could return back to my home, my family, my friends, mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, and then when, it's t- when I have when my backpack's full again, I could mm-hmm. go and I, and I can I can unload it, I can leave all my shit mm-hmm. with them. I don't know. Even, even that sort of rationalization is, um, it, it's, it doesn't make sense. Well, like I'm saying it out loud, it is just like, well, yeah, it this- does make sense. So I want to <laughs> caution you to be gentle with your thoughts, right? Because there's no need in like picking apart, like, why do I feel this way? Like you feel the way you feel just because, right? But I think I often hear the other side of that is, that people often are worried about going to white therapists because they're worried there's a piece of this that they're just not going to get. Um, whether that is real or not, that is, you know, often the perception. And I think we can, you know, safely say that for a lot of white people, there are some experiences that you just cannot get if you have not grown up black in this country. Um, you know, so I, I think that there are, are two sides of it, right? It doesn't, there's no right or wrong. You know, I thank you. Thank you for making me feel better about, about, <laughs> about that. <laughs> by saying, you know, give me, give yourself some grace. Right. Be kind. Be kind with yourself, Damon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Do you have a therapist? I do. Okay. So what's that? Yes. What's that experience? I mean, without getting too specific, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what what's that experience like for you? Like, is there like a registry for? For therapists who need therapists. You know, it was very interesting in trying to find my own therapist because I run such a large site for black women therapists. So it's like Mm -hmm. the chances of finding somebody who wasn't already listed on my site, I think, were very difficult in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was able to find someone who is off the grid, like I mentioned, right? Like she doesn't have Instagram. Um, You know, she was referred to me by a friend. And so it it felt like it was like, oh, my gosh, this will be a great fit because, um, you know, I definitely wanted someone who wasn't aware of me as this like person in the field, but that I could go to um, to really just talk talk as Joy, right? Not as Dr. Joy from Therapy for Black Girls. Um, and so, and it was important for me to have a Black woman therapist. So, you know, I feel like I was really kind of grasping for straws and in, in finding somebody. Um, but she has been incredible. And, you know, this, this past year, um, it has really been a saving grace to have like that, the steadiness so for someone who, you know, maybe maybe someone's listened to this call and wants to see a therapist and has some of the has some of the same concerns and anxieties and mm-hmm. and whatever that I do, like what would you tell them? Mm-hmm. Well, I would first say that it's completely normal to have that anxiety. But if you feel like you need some additional support, trust that you'll be able to work through that anxiety and that you can talk with the therapist about how anxious you were even making the phone call. If you have insurance that you know you're going to want to use, it's probably a great idea to start with the directory from your insurance company mm-hmm. and then maybe cross-reference it with a site like Therapy for Black Girls or some of the other therapy directories mm-hmm. um, to find like a more narrow field of who you want to meet with. Because that is a very real concern for people, right? Like if you're paying for insurance, you want to use those benefits. So I would encourage you to look there, but also to look at whether your employer, if you have one, um, has any kind of EAP benefits. So 
sometimes people miss this in their benefits package, but sometimes your place of employment will pay for like four to six sessions before even using your insurance. So check that out as well. Um, and your employer doesn't get a report of like, oh, Damon went to therapy and he talked about this. Like they get a, a report at the end of the year, kind of like about how many people use the service, but they don't get any details about like what you shared in therapy or even that you use it specifically. Um, so I'd encourage people to, to pay attention to that as well. But let's say you get a list from your insurance, you, you check it and you find this therapist, you call them and usually you call them or you email them. And usually what will happen is that the therapist will set up a 10 to 15 minute consultation with you okay. to hear more about what kinds of concerns you have, um, what are you looking for in a therapist to see if they are actually going to be a good fit for you or whether they have openings. Um, so after that, you know, consultation, if they have space and you feel like it is still a good fit, they will schedule you for your first appointment. I know how difficult it can be to like make that first call to a therapist and like see that therapist for the first time. And some people get really shocked and frustrated that your first therapist might not actually be the best therapist for you. So you can find Dr. Joy Harton Bradford on her website, therapyforblackgirls.com, which is also a directory of black therapists. I'm just thinking about how funny it would be to respond in the least expected way when someone asks what's good. Like, like they ask, what's good? And I say, deep fried shark beak. And they say, wait, what? And then I say, well, it tastes like catfish with peanut butter. And then they never speak to me at church again. (laughs) This feels like something I should be unpacking with my white therapist. And then I'll go to my black therapist to unpack why I went to the white man first. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe the problem is the expectation of curiosity that's based in a small talk. I mean, I feel like I'm supposed to ask about your well-being, and then you feel like you're supposed to give me a socially acceptable answer, and then we just leave it there. But no one's comfortable. And I think that's where the disconnect is. I am aggressively uncomfortable. I risk death each time I leave the house because of the existing wild black thing. And and now we're in the motherfucking pandemic, and I have an autoimmune disease, so now I got to worry about the fucking air killing me too? So no, I'm not good. But I'd rather lie than tell you why. Stuck with Damon Young is a Spotify original podcast from Gimlet and Crooked Media. It's hosted and written by me, Damon Young. Ruben Davis is our executive producer. Our producers are Ashley Belez, Morgan Moody, Carlton Gillespie, Priscilla Alabi, Stephen Hoffman, and Corinne Gilliard. Mixing and sound design by Jesse Nas, Charlotte Landis, and Veronica Simonetti. Theme music and score by Open Mike Eagle. From Crooked Media, our executive producers are Tanya Sominator, Sarah Geismer, and Katie Long. From Gimlet, our executive producers are Rosie Guerin, Crystal Hall Stressler, Colin Campbell, and Lydia Polgreen.